Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the UGA Sports Playoff Rankings Reaction Reveal Committee, whatever you want to call it. This is our uh, live reaction show as they reveal where George will be in the playoffs. Uh, joining me are uh, Trent Smallwood and Dane Young. They have to look and read their names because I forget who's on board with me all the time. But uh, Our staff's so big, man. There's so many people to remember. <laughs> it is. The problem is I got a, a Brent and a Trent, you know, and uh, that that throws me off every time, you know. And then I got a Dane and a Blaine, and I'm like, ah, he's such... I'm just gonna start giving everybody numbers. Say, so, hey, my dad used to do that. Brady, go tell number four to come in here because he had five sons. You know, I'm like, okay, Jihad. You know, so anyway, that's how we do it. But uh, want to uh, welcome all the viewers. Uh, we're keeping an eye uh, on ESPN as they announce it. This is this. I'm sorry. This should be a tweet. I know they have to do this reaction show and. Uh, get get their commercials in and talk talk them all up. But to me, the playoff committee should put out a tweet and then go to then take questions. That that's how I would do it. But that's me. Uh, where do you guys think they'll be ranked? And uh, give me your thoughts. We'll start with uh, Trent. There, go ahead. Uh, I think it's going to be Bama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincy four. Um, I think uh, uh, you know Georgia Georgia's one loss is the I guess the number three team in the country, and um, I, I don't think they'll drop to four. And I think Alabama overtake Michigan for number one with the win over number one yesterday. So either way, I think it's going to be uh, Georgia versus Michigan and uh, Cincinnati versus Alabama. Yeah, I think that that's exactly the deal, is that the rankings probably aren't going to matter quite as much because even if they somehow flip Michigan and Alabama one, I think the matchups are there, that it's Cincinnati versus Alabama, that it's Georgia versus Michigan. Uh, however you get to that point. I do think that George is probably going to be number three like Trent, uh, but you're in the dance. And I, I know a lot of fans are, are not feeling great about this team after last night, uh, but you're in the dance and you have an opportunity to get to a national title. And most teams can't say that. I think the only the only change would be, I think if Michigan got number one, they'd pick the Cotton Bowl. I think if Bama finished number one, they'd, they'd pick the Cotton Bowl. So uh, the – that's the one thing to watch. Will Georgia be in Miami or the Cotton Bowl? Because if they're number four and Michigan's number one, I think they'll be in the Cotton Bowl. That makes sense. Uh, to me, I I can see the committees going two ways with this, saying, yeah, let's put Georgia and Alabama together because we don't want another national championship between those two, even though it was one of the wildest national championship games of all time. But, you know, back-to-back -back weeks, maybe that kills them. You know, to me, I don't even know if that should should – should they be thinking about that or should they just say, hey, here's who we think is one through four? You know, they uh, shouldn't be thinking about that, but I promise you there's some TV executive that says that, hey, that, let's that's split my point. it up. You know, or they're thinking, hey, uh, we're just gonna go one through four, it doesn't matter how they pair out at the same time. Uh let, let, maybe we do want them to go ahead and knock it out of the way. We don't we don't want two SEC teams in the title. You know, if we we, we need to make them not, I can see it both ways. I can see them saying one of you needs to get the hell out of here, you know, and knock each other out, or um, we want a, a crazy SEC that we want a rematch. So I, I'm not sure which way the committee goes here, but you're right. I don't think there should be the politics of it, but you guys know this is, uh, these are billion dollar questions for college football. Yeah. Give me thoughts there. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I, I don't see the playoff committee matching Georgia and Alabama week one, uh, game one. Uh, I think a lot of the country, don't want to see the rematch. Uh, they also don't want to see the rematch in the national championship, so they'll just hope that one of the teams get knocked off in the semifinal to avoid it. 
I think I think the probably the large crowd would like an Alabama Michigan final, but uh, um, yeah, you know, Georgia Georgia's not going to be an easy out. Uh, and, you know the way they played all year. No, hey, they, they, apparently Kevin says you know they shouldn't even be in the playoffs because they lost yesterday. Well, I, you know, in a normal year where there's five or six teams uh, capable of being in that top four, then it would be different. But there's really only four teams deserving of going. Uh, Notre Dame didn't play yesterday. After that, everybody's got two losses. So, uh, in some ways, I think that the way that this worked out this season, it's almost a precursor for what it's going to look like when this playoff expands. And I say win because I, I think that's a certainty. No, it's, yes, that what Alabama won in that game yesterday was the luxury of playing Cincinnati, which that's the matchup you would prefer in that first round. And so I think in the future, whether that's a bye week, whether that's a home game, or whether that's just a lower-seeded opponent, uh, that's what a lot of these championship games are going to turn into. Because if you had a 12-team playoff, I mean, I think Baylor and Oklahoma State are obviously in there too. But let me ask you a question. Would you rather play Michigan or Cincinnati? Because I think Cincinnati's more di- uh, dynamic on offense that could cause Georgia more problems. I think I'd rather play Cincinnati only in the sense that I think Michigan probably has a deeper roster. Um, and once you get to this point in the season – and these teams are beat up, and we've seen Cincinnati struggle against some pretty small opponents. Michigan has to, um, but and, and there's also the fact of Georgia played Cincinnati last year. So for Georgia in particular, is that a matchup you want again? Maybe you do. I, I'm not sure. I'd probably say uh, Cincinnati. I think Michigan fits in Georgia's style of play um, yeah. a lot better. Um, you know, Georgia uh, is a power team, and can Michigan outpower them? Uh, you know, that'll be yet to be seen. See if that's the matchup. So, Roddy, do you want to go to Dallas or Miami? It doesn't matter to me, really. Uh, I'll probably just watch from Coach John's house anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, well, look, to me, the best thing about this is I know everyone's down about yesterday. And the, the problem is you feel like there's no hope. It's like, well, the defense lets you down. You know, what, what happens if you go up against another powerhouse offense? You know, they're going to let you down again. Or, you know, Stetson can't get it done. The, off, the offense lets you down. If you go up against a, you know, he, he can't win it for you. So why the hell are you even there? You know, just just pack it up and try again or, or change your quarterbacks or, you know, I get it. You feel like there's no hope. But I'm like, did, did Alabama do the same thing when they lost? And they should have lost last week to Auburn. They, they were in a fight with Florida, a team that you beat the brakes off of. You know, granted, it took you a while in the first quarter. Um, I mean, the first half. But to me, to say that uh, Georgia doesn't stand a chance in this and they shouldn't even be considered in the playoffs, and you know, they're that season's over. I'm like, God, you went 12 and 0. So some of the teams weren't strong. A lot of them were. A lot of them. A lot of the same teams Alabama played, Alabama struggled with, and Georgia cruised right past. And also, that was the best that Bryce Young has played this year. And he's had a good season, don't get me wrong, but like that Heisman quality performance is not something that he has done every week. Georgia was on the wrong end of that. Well, and and with Mechie being out, you saw in the second half, they weren't quite as dynamic. I mean, they could still play for sure, but that's two weeks in a row you've seen when one of the receivers goes down, the Alabama offense stalls a little bit. Now, Bryce Young is good enough to overcome some of that. And I, I thought the performance of the game was the offensive line for Alabama because it looked like a different unit than what Auburn played. Yeah. I, I mean, if you were going into yesterday's game, uh, Trent, you thought about this, you're like, uh, I said, let's say you didn't play yesterday. So you had to buy and you were looking at Georgia with the current roster that it has facing Michigan or facing Cincinnati. Do you still think that, uh, you know, 
you don't roll either override roll over both of them because I think you do. And I know Michigan's good, but you know Ohio State. And the the one team I was scared of the most was Ohio State, mainly because I knew they could throw it to those great wide receivers. You know, to me, if oh yeah, they're they're going now. Ohio uh, Ohio State finished six. Um, but it, I, I I think Georgia and if if we get the matchups that we're looking for, I think Georgia and Alabama will both be heavy favorites over the two uh, Cincinnati and Michigan. Um, I think that. I mean, there's a love affair with Michigan right now after they beat Ohio State, and uh, we need to point out that Mike McDonald, former uh, Georgia assistant, not assistant coach, but a, a assistant, love Mike, knew him when he uh, knew him when he was here, knew him when he went to the Ravens, uh, a great guy, uh, talented guy that's uh, up there. But to, I don't know Robinson if they'll be heavy favorites, but I, I, I Notre Dame at five. All right, here we go. Notre Dame five. Uh, uh, Marcus Freeman. I thought Notre Dame was going to make his debut. That means uh, Baylor finished seventh, finished behind Ohio State. Wow. You guys hear me all right? Just checking. Yes, sir. Welcome to yeah. Bling. Uh, I'm trying to see what they're – okay. I think you guys might be – are they still talking about this? Just tweet it out. <laughs> Folks, if you're just joining us, this is the UGA Sports uh, staff here uh, watching the uh, college football playoff reveal. So uh, we're watching it with you. Uh, I, I'm going to lean on Trent. However this works out, what we're anticipating is that Georgia will play Michigan, Alabama will play Cincinnati. The numbers at that point don't matter. Like Trent said, it's just where are those games going to be. Yeah. Uh, we could be wrong, but that's what we're anticipating. Well, for those who said we won't be in it, well, it's Cincinnati, Cincinnati is four. Hmm? Cincinnati's number four. four. As everyone expected, so Cincinnati's number four. Georgia will be three. And now who do they play? Alabama? Yeah, say the, the number two reveal will be the biggest one. Something tells me they're going to put Alabama there because they want a rematch and not to have two SEC teams in the title game. Luke Fickle over there like, oh, we're at four. That's great. I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a shattering thing for the college football playoff to have the group of five team. I think Cincinnati's deserving. Are there teams that are better? Probably. I think Ohio State would beat Cincinnati on the field. Oh, I think yeah. I would too. But when you get the Notre Dame, though, everybody's cheering except Luke Fickle over there in Cincinnati's thing. He's like, I know what's about to happen. What happened yesterday if Oak State beats Baylor? Did they slip to four? Would they have slipped into number four? Whew. That'd been that would have been the the debate of the debates, right? Conference champion, one loss team? Probably so. I think that would have been worse for Georgia than Cincinnati. Dave Aranda is about to be making some money. Baylor's going to have to give him a raise, and I think going into next year's coaching cycle, he'll be the hot name. They were two in, what, two wins last Maybe year? the hot name before this is all said and done. Well, Oregon looks like there's some movement out there for Cristobal to Miami, so Oregon yeah. may be looking for something. That's what I'm saying. This is a – like I see what um, what if uh, Brent Venables – Georgia three. Home? Georgia three. Right. So we're assuming Alabama is going to be one and Michigan two. I assume so, but – Again, <laughs> you assumed that you'd get pressure on the quarterback yesterday, too. All right. What would Kirby Smart rather have? If you think you have to go through Alabama anyway, would you rather just have it next? Or does no, he care? I think you'd want him in the title game. Yeah, I, I think you want to. Because you want to work out your some of your other issues, you know, before then. Or oh, no. I don't know, maybe you feel like you're healthy and you take him on. Uh, you go ahead and do that now. And you get three weeks to get – Chris Smith healthy, get Jamari Sawyer, Sawyer back, 
you know, the well, Bama's going to get Brian Robinson fully healthy too. Well, the other aspect of this is regardless of everybody wants to talk about the quarterback situation, and everything, whoever's at quarterback, you're going to get three weeks to work with George Pickens and get George Pickens entirely yeah. acclimated to the offense, not fresh off being cleared. And then, yeah, I think he was on a, I don't want to say he was on a pitch count yesterday, but it sure seemed like it. You know, but, one big catch yeah. and then gone. Yeah, they said that they said that he only had a certain number of plays. Uh, uh, let's see. They're, they're doing a resume comparison right now between Alabama and Michigan. Show's been on 25 minutes, and they can't tell you who number one is. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wonder if you like, know Notre Dame. know when you know him. I'm like, or you'll know it when we know it. Give me that BS. I've, I've worked in TV long enough to know that you're not going on this thing blind. So pretty much sitting at three, you're going to Miami for sure. It's just a question of who. Well, it's good because then uh, we can make you guys drive down there instead of having to fly everybody out to Dallas. Ooh, that drive sucks. <laughs> but it, it saves us a lot of money, though. I'll, I'll just ride over to Athens and do my game day thing. Yeah. <laughs> and what I'm really excited about for the, I mean, you get, you're in the playoffs, you still have the chance to win it. I think you can, I think you can beat, I think you can beat Alabama. I think you can beat uh, Michigan. And people say, well, what's going to change? I don't know. You did everything possibly wrong in that Alabama game that you could do. You got zero pressure on the quarterback. You're not going to have uh, two wide receivers running wild all over you. You know, uh, you that 13 personnel that they were using, and they they didn't really stick with that a whole lot. Try that. Try establish the run. You know, of course Alabama can do some stuff too. They're like, hey, this is what worked. This is what didn't. They'll be better. But to me, it's. Uh, Give me a second chance, you know. That was your scouting report. Him, oh him. my goodness! Okay. Oh, I, I thought they were going in reverse order. They, they still they, but they skipped to one. Alabama's at one. Michigan's at two. I thought they went reverse order and put Alabama at two. I was like, well, there it is. No. Uh, so Georgia yeah, that, plays that, Michigan. Just, so I'm streaming. I'm like four minutes behind or thirty seconds behind you, and all of a sudden I saw the same thing. I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> officially, Georgia will play Michigan. In Miami. Yeah, that's fine. Because, you know, you want to control that field. Hey, Kirby will be down there recruiting. I don't don't think you could have it match up better for for Georgia because, I mean, Michigan's going to be trying to run the ball right down their throat, and that's – you know, we'll see. I, I, I doubt that'll be a formula for success. I think we all knew the formula for success against Georgia was going to be able to have a dynamic receiver that, you know, and, and you're able to scheme them up in the secondary. And that's what, you know, Alabama did. And that's what everybody was afraid if, you know, if Georgia got past Alabama, that eventually Ohio State would do. Uh, of course, Ohio State's out. Now you get to face the ground and pound team from the Big Ten instead of the high flyers. I think – it's not being said enough. The Mechie for Alabama losing him is very big. Um, it, it puts Alabama – somebody's trying to step up at, for Alabama. I know Slade, but he's not the deep threat that, that Mechie and uh, that Mechie and Williams are. That's that's a big loss. I know getting Robinson back will help with the ground game, but still they, they struggled to run the ball uh, for most of the year. Um, losing, losing Mechie is huge. What do we think the point spread will be for Georgia-Michigan? I, I, I saw the Action Network, uh, Brett McMurphy, and those guys last night were putting out some projections. They they predicted it'd be a nine point spread in favor of Georgia. Ah, that's that was, 
I was thinking seven and a half, eight, something like that. Yeah. What do you think about eleven or twelve for Alabama? Alabama, Alabama's gonna be twenty one point favorite. Huh? Twenty one and a half. You get them with that hook. <laughs> so we're all anticipating Georgia Alabama rematch, right? Absolutely. Thank you. I said, I said in the third quarter last night, the rematch is gonna be absolutely wild. I I really am looking forward to the Cincinnati Alabama game, though. I think Cincinnati can give them issues because Cincinnati can cover, yeah. like and can legit cover and has NFL dudes oh, in good. the secondary. And you're down to one. Uh, for the folks who are just joining us, uh, this is the UGA Sports uh, reaction show to the playoff uh, rankings reveal. Uh, I, I want to touch on something you guys were saying there. I was uh, retweeting some of our other writers. Uh, everyone said, well, the defense really stepped up in the second half against Alabama. They made adjustments. No, they didn't. They Alabama lost Mitchie. What, basically what they were doing is they had two fantastic wide receivers. One is taking one of your cornerbacks and the safety out, and the other one is working on your uh, – star, you know, your nickel guy, and just torched him. If they look over and saw William Poole, they torched him. If they looked over and saw uh, Chris Smith, torched him. Whoever was there got beat. When he was, uh, when they saw they could get a, somebody on a safety against a Dan Jackson or uh, a, a, a gimpy Chris Smith, they torched him. Then they went to one. And even then, going into that uh, third quarter, you had Jamison Williams on a – being covered by Keely Ringo and bracketed by Lewis Seen, your, your best, maybe your best cornerback and your best uh, safety, and he still catches a 55-yard touchdown in double coverage. That that guy's a monster. But that guy didn't play against Auburn for three quarters, and Auburn almost beat him. Well, now, losing Mitchie is bad, but luckily they didn't lose <laughs> for Bama. It's going to make him a little – a little more even because I think now they will have to run the ball because teams will – I don't think James can catch that same pass 13 times in double coverage. So, And, and Mechie's, Mechie's been his go-to receiver. I know Williams is dynamic, but Mechie has been his go-to receiver all year. He had 20-something more targets. Than yeah, he was right at 30, like right around 30 more targets than, than Williams. Well, Brent, to what you were saying earlier, you know, the thing about Cincinnati against Alabama is – I went back and thought, well, how did how was Auburn able to get so many pressures and sacks on? And it's because they had uh, Roger McCrary blanketing the Mechie the, that game because uh, Williams was out. And there's not probably not any better two corners in the country than Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. I mean, they they're going to be able to to play really really well against um, against those Alabama receivers. Well, and they only, they're only going to have to deal with one of them. I'm not yeah. going to have to deal with both of them. That's the big key because I don't think Gardner's allowed a touchdown in his career wow. uh, at Cincinnati. So, you know, that guy's – he's a legit first-round corner. So, it's going to be a great game. But, like, you, Roddy, you talked about yesterday. The the key that we we all kind of thought, hey, Bryce Young and Williams and Mechie, they could be the three best players on the field. Dan and I talked about it in some of the preview videos that we did. But we thought, all right, Georgia's going to get enough pressure, hit him enough, disrupt him enough. And he just didn't. I mean, he was under pressure on 30, 31% of his dropbacks, but it wasn't enough. He still had 33 dropbacks where he wasn't pressured. And even when you did get pressure, like one on, on third and two, Alabama was backed up. He found Billingsley wide open early in the, in the, in the first half. Nakobe was free. And he took like a he took a throwing arm angle. Bryce leans to the left a little bit and then finds Billingsley wide open. So he just was better, even when you did get pressure. But Bama 100% has been practicing for Georgia for weeks, and you could tell. 
They, with the way Georgia stunts and the way they wrap guys, it was, they, hey, I'm going to leave Evan Neal one-on-one with whoever Evan Neal has, and I've got four guys to block whatever it is, whatever games you're running on the other side. And that was the game. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, how many times did they say they knew? I mean, in the post game, they said they knew what we were doing. You know, uh, you saw it in the uh, coach Donna mentioned in the watch along. He's like, oh, they knew they knew our check there. They ran a play, Georgia gashed them, but they noted what the check was. So later on, defensively, they ran the same play, knowing what the check is. They played the check and got an interception. Like, okay, we know what you're supposed to do here. It's uh, it comes down to coaching. Georgia got out coached. Georgia got outplayed. Uh, offensively, defensively, only the only segment that Georgia won was special teams. You know, and you lose two out of three phases of the game, and that's it. So, uh, does this happen against Michigan? I don't think so. I think when you're looking at all year, and I, this is why I, I go back to that Clemson game. I picked Clemson to win. Dane, did you as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know what Dane. Well, you can tell me why you did it, but I thought that. Georgia's offensive line – I mean, uh, Clemson's offensive line would basically get a tie with uh, Georgia's defense. I didn't know the defense was going to be that good. I didn't think they would have as much uh, impact as they did. I thought he's going to get time to sit there and pick somebody apart. And you've got a true freshman, Keely Ringo, making his first start going up against some good receivers. you got Ken, uh, Darren Kendrick, who's a you know, transfer in, going up against his old team. But you got Chris Smith and Latavius Brady. Brady had only played star of one game at that point. Chris Smith had come in basically, he'd been at Georgia for a long time, but had not been uh, a starter until Richard LeCount went out. You know, you weren't, you were, you lost five guys to the draft, two guys to the portal. Um, you're down seven defensive backs. And I thought they're just going to, he's going to pick them apart, but they'll get better as the year progresses, but they didn't need to. That front seven just killed everybody. And then somebody found a way to block them, as uh, Brent points out. The stunts, the twists, those uh, – and Trent was uh, in the middle of the game said, look, Georgia's getting zero inside pressure. And you saw those uh, – Blaine, you can explain it too. The inside backers shooting, they picked them up every time. They or they run into each other. Or they, they did pick them up. But one thing, and I would have to – I'm not, you know, versed enough in, in the the style that Georgia was trying to go after him and, and, and uh, Bryce Young and how they were – but Trent – I may be wrong, but sometimes it looked like Devontae Wyatt and Jalen Carter and those guys, they weren't even necessarily trying to get – They were. it was almost like they were occupying and, and waiting to see where where Bryce Young was wanting to go. It didn't look at times like they were trying to absolutely just pull out, go get the quarterback. I mean, did it look to you sometimes almost like a must, must rush type, type deal to keep Bryce in the pocket above all else? Yeah, I think they were trying to contain the majority of the time, especially when they run that mid blitz and then they split their defense tackles, like, you know, kind of ran them around to the edge, kind of, they kind of just stood there. And then they also did the, uh, uh, I remember one play where they ran a, uh, they they just sent the, but uh, the inside line and linebackers both spotted. And uh, and I think that was a touchdown pass in the corner, which was odd to me. Both of them standing right next to each other, spot. But uh, well, sometimes you, you engage that guy, you control that gap, and say you know because you're sending the blitz. You're like, okay, we're going to engage here. We're going to we're going to keep our linebackers clean so they can get through there. I, I thought in the second half they did a better job. Well, that, especially on the third and shorts, they sent more guys than Bama could block on the on the. Uh, Third and two, third and threes, uh, two straight drives, and Bryce Young was forced to throw it away. I got I one last thing because I got to go for a four-year-old birthday party, as you can probably hear my Yahoo's out here in the in the background. But I just think you know everybody needs to weather 
you know, whoever whoever quarterback going forward, all that kind of stuff, that that's obviously going to be in the hands of, of Munkin and of and of uh, Kirby Smart and all those guys. But overall, if you want to beat Alabama, it has to be a overall better team effort. And I think, like Eric's pointing out here, Mechie being out for Alabama, that changes the entire dynamic. Georgia ha- has never – you know, they've lost their 0-4 right now. Kirby Smart is against Alabama. They've never played them twice in one season. They've never had that that coaching tape to go off of and immediately correct right off a couple, you know, a couple weeks later. So we'll see what the Georgia coaching staff's medal, you know, it's going to get tested here uh, going forward. But got to got to go to the birthday party, guys. <laughs> Enjoy. See y'all. One quick thing on uh, being this game in Miami. A home game for four Georgia players, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, Latavius Brini, and Marcus Rosemey Jackson. So they'll probably have some family nearby with easy travel. Um, one thing, I don't know if it can be underestimated how getting Christopher Smith can be, uh, getting him healthy can be big for Georgia. Because one thing that Coach Donnan was saying last night is that when Georgia has to defend the pass like it does against Alabama, it's best when Smith is playing that nickel role. You saw that against Tennessee. Well, he wasn't quite healthy enough to do that regularly last night. Uh, and so you saw William Poole in there in the second quarter just get really targeted. Uh, and so I think maybe that's one of the things Georgia can do by getting healthy over the next three to four weeks. Awesome. Hey, everybody, welcome Anthony Dasher, our uh, lead dog at UJSports.com. That's just posted the story, so be sure to swing by UJ Sports to read it. Uh, he will have all the stuff. Uh, Dash, we were live when they announced it. Uh, no shocker there, no real surprise. Uh, let's get your thoughts, if you would. Yeah, no real surprise at all. You know, I, you know, I left uh, Mercedes-Benz yesterday, uh, 120% confident that Georgia was going to, you know, be a playoff team, and uh, I was probably about 100% confident that it was going to be Michigan, just based on uh, some folks. Yeah. You know, I was speaking to, uh, you know, at the stadium from the SEC. That's kind of what everybody had been uh, predicting. And it's going to be a fun game, and of course. Uh, uh, Mike McDonald, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Wolverines, is a former Georgia Bulldog. Actually, coached linebacker at Cedar Shoals High School way back in the day. So, yeah, I know that. Yes, so uh, that's gonna be a fun, uh, fun. I know him and Todd Hartley are real, real tight, <clears throat> real good friends. Uh, so that'll be fun for those. This will also be a house divided with the Crean family, I guess. And so Jim Harbaugh is Tom Crean's brother-in-law. So I have to get Coach Crean to see where his his uh, loyalty lies uh, for this one uh, when we talk to him tomorrow. You also have George uh, Hilo, former safety. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So there are some, uh, you know, uh, you know, familiarities, I guess, is, you know, with, with both programs. But uh, well, what a fun matchup, though. First time these two have met since 1965, which is many, how many years I have been alive on this earth. So uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a fun game. I mean, two, two really, you know, blue blood programs. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun matchup. And I agree with what Dane was talking about earlier. You know, this is going to give the team a chance to get health and, and give coaches a chance to, I think, maybe recalibrate uh, some things both on the offensive side and the defensive side and get this team as ready as it could possibly be for this challenge they want that's going to face them down south. With such a legacy matchup, I wish they would let them both wear home jerseys because I think that would look really nice <laughs> in the field, but that, that's not going to happen. It'd work. So, uh, let me ask this, Dane. What, what you're talking about Chris Smith going the star. Who does that put at safety? Do you, you put Brini at safety? You put Dan Jackson at safety? Because I think they pulled Dan Jackson pretty fast yesterday. 
Yeah, I, against Tennessee, it was Dan Jackson. I guess it kind of depends on the matchup. So Michigan not being as dynamic of a passing team, you can probably get away with doing it with Breeny because of his help and run support. Uh, but, I mean, you're right in saying that between Jackson and Breeny, you have problems, and, and William Poole, you're having problems covering guys down the field. And so what's the solution there? And so I think Chris Smith kind of helping being able to roam more than just being a safety is at least what Coach Donovan was indicating. So looking at the team, that's I guess its strength is kind of ground and pound going up against Georgia strength there. I think how many teams have we seen come in that ran the ball really well that Georgia just shut down? I mean, was it some of those guys who come in that this team rushes for 300 yards a game and they leave with like 37 yards? I think so this year you saw, you saw Auburn, you saw Arkansas, you saw uh, yeah. who, who else was a good – Florida was a good rushing team. Um, yeah. Georgia's had success in that area. The particular rusher is going to be kind of interesting for the recruit next over at UGASports.com because Donovan Edwards, that was a, a long-time Georgia target. And in the snow up there, he committed to Michigan over Georgia. But, I mean, Trent, that was a guy that Georgia wanted well into the process. Yeah, it came down to Georgia and Michigan. So uh, it, that's interesting. That's, that's happened. But I, I think, uh, you know, the change in, uh, I guess – yeah, you're playing up in Michigan. I saw the Michigan Ohio State game. The uh, the weather was terrible. Going down to Miami is an extreme difference. You know, Georgia's kind of used to that. Miami will probably be what 60, 70 degrees in in on New Year's Eve. So uh, that's a big difference. Roddy, you mentioned about the running game and shutting them down. The interesting thing too about Michigan versus you know some of these other teams and even somebody like a Tennessee uh, with how they run the ball, the quarterback is not involved in their running game. Really? This, like at all, that makes it a hell of this a lot is, easier. This is more of them doing creating things with numbers, tight end usage, you know, true power running game. So you know, Georgia's going to get to play like its traditional sort of base three four defense. You're going to see that probably more than at any point. They'll probably get more snaps in this one game in their base defense than they might at any point total in the season. Who's who would be the backside pursuit guy on some of this stuff? Because to me, when you're going to run heavy to one side, you know, and you like you said, run numbers uh, without a quarterback who's a threat to take off, that backside guy could absolutely wreak havoc. That's who, Nolan who, Smith and Beal. Those two guys will be on the field together, I think, more so in this game than any. Okay. Than I'm, seen. I'm like, well, they, they weren't there yesterday. <laughs> or Nolan Smith, another guy that needs to get healthy. Or uh, Quay Walker. I think you. Quay or, or Tendo on the edge with th all three linebackers on the field uh, at once. That's going to be, I think, something you see more yeah, as well. Hey, safe to assume that Georgia will be the early game on on that day because of the Eastern time zone, Central time zone. I would think so. I mean, that would make uh, make sense to me. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would. You know, we'll hear about that. I'm probably, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, probably later today. But I would definitely guess Georgia will be the early game. And That's I'm just like getting four, the, yeah, and I'm just four o'clock. I believe it would be. I'm just FYI, I'm just getting the, the schedule. Uh, both teams are scheduled to arrive in Miami on December 26th, uh, midday. So uh, I, that's uh, just kind of looking over what they've got going on. It looks like, I, I don't believe this, but it looks like it will be no Zoom. So we actually get to talk to some people in person at this thing, which I will hey, no. be uh, looking forward to. That could happen in Texas. One thing that makes me excited about the, these playoffs, uh, the bowl games, is that you do get – some yes. open practice time, you yes. know, that's mandated. You also get to speak to the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and usually they have about everybody. You get to talk. There is an hour long uh, session. They it's mandatory. They will sit uh, in the ballroom at the hotel they're having. 
yeah. we will get an hour of being able to talk to whoever we, we want to. So we can go up and talk to uh, Jalen Carter, Darian Kendrick or Jalen Carter or some other people we've been dying to speak with all year. We will have that opportunity down in Miami on South Beach, which, by the way, I'm just what hotel they're at there. The La Meridian, the Nia Beach Hotel, which has a very swanky sound to it, Roddy. So, I'm yeah, you're outstanding. Look, look, looking forward to that. <laughs> Oh, hey, that's, media. That, uh, that's the media hotel. Yeah, that's the media hotel. hotel. That's the media hotel. No, no, no. No, you no want to go to the media hotel because they usually have free beer. I know you. They do have free beer and they got free food. You, you went to New Orleans. You know what it's like I, for I, those I've games. never been to New Orleans in my life, you liar. Yeah, you you know what it's like at that. I think I've seen you spend more time in the uh, in that little media room where they've got all the the, the beer and the food and yeah, yeah. everything yeah. else that's in yeah. there. And, but those fancy little desserts they serve you too at the no, that's what cracks me up is they have all that stuff and I'm like, but you're in New Orleans. You think I'm gonna eat your uh, catered stuff here? I'll, I'll it's pretty good. Beer, I'll zip right out and go down to the <laughs> Cochon and all those places. You need to keep Patrick Garbin out of Miami. <laughs> People are spending a few days there. It looks like the Miami Heat are playing on December twenty sixth and the twenty eighth. And I think that is actually one of the events that they're going to let the players kind of go to. So I got to go get to check out the heat while they're down there. Hey, also, I mean, it may, may sound silly, but uh, give me Georgia in a warm game. It's not going to be 100 degrees down there, but yeah, that's true. You know, against and it will be an open stadium, so there will be that South Florida humidity. We'll see how that plays in effect. Of course, it will be quite as bad, uh, you know. New Year's Eve, it would be in, you know, September in Athens, but still, you know, you're coming from Michigan or Ann Arbor. A little bit of a difference. Let me ask you, Dane, who, whether Stetson, we, we knew Stetson wasn't a better quarterback than Bryce Young. Whether Stetson or JT starts against Michigan, who's the best quarterback in that game? Whoever plays Georgia, for Georgia. Whoever the quarterback is will be the, the better quarterback, whichever one. Yep. I would agree with that. But now I will say this. The, the McNamara kid is playing well. Yeah, he's played and, a lot better of late. Like, of late is really the confidence and the, you know, obviously what they've been able to do in the running game has opened up a lot of things for them. But, you know, still yet, I think overall, you're you're looking at very much a, an advantage for Georgia in that in that aspect, no matter who plays. He hasn't been asked to do a whole lot either, especially uh, what George asked Stetson to do yesterday. That was a little bit out of – Character. I don't think if you had, if you try to get him in a in a catch up game, he's going to struggle too. I, I, I thought I that was probably jumping into it right on quarterbacks because <laughs> I mean well, that's well, what everyone wants to talk about. Well, I thought that was the most interesting part of the game yesterday was how quickly Monken went to five wides, two two by two sets, straight drop back game. It just it, he played it, the Bama's game. It, I, I sat at the game right beside Mr. Russ Tanner, former watch along guest. And him and I were talking, you know, that kind of stuff the whole game. We're sitting, both of us are like, all right, let's run it down the throat now. All right, let's run it down. Let's run it now. And, you know, a lot of times it just did not necessarily happen. And that was, I thought, was probably the most interesting thing of the game outside of, you know, the inability to create pressure. I thought Georgia panicked offensively yesterday. I thought they just panicked. That's another way of putting it. <laughs> I mean, I don't see 40 passes being thrown by a Georgia quarterback. I mean, my, my thought, though, Dash, uh, and this could you could be right with absolute panic, is it seems like they went in and established the pass, and I think a lot of that had to do with that one long drive, 97 yards, 91 of it came from Stetson Bennett, you know, six for six in that drive. And they're like, 
we can throw on these guys all day. Okay, well, they're going to change up their defense a little bit, and maybe that gave him a – at one point he was like 10 of 12, you know, with uh, 150 yards like this. He's, this guy's tearing it up. Uh, but then when – then all of a sudden a couple of quick scores, they're behind. Now they, they have to throw it or feel they have to. To me, I think you're right when they panic a little bit because they're thinking, well, okay, we're behind. We need to start throwing the ball. I think he could have grounded out uh, when you had those tight ends in there. Darnell Washington was picking up blocks. John Fitzpatrick was hitting blocks. Uh, Brock Bowers getting some blocks. We saw Will Anderson make one play. Yeah, he, they took him out of the game. He really did, was not a, a factor whatsoever. And I mean, maybe and if you'd have told, and if you'd have told me that before the game, he wouldn't have the as little impact as he had. I would say Georgia won that game easily because he was the main player I was worried about for Alabama. Absolutely. Just going in and just you know creating all kind of havoc and, and, and knocking stats around, but that, you know that wasn't the case. Now, cause we, I know we can still you know, talk about what should have been done at quarterback when they got down two touchdowns. But, you know, maybe that's another story for uh, another day. But I, I, you know, I thought that, uh, like I said, they handled Will Anderson as good as they possibly could have. When you I talk about the running game, though, yeah, I, I haven't say- watched the game yet. But, but Brent, you tell me if you saw this from your perspective. I don't know there was much that Georgia completely abandoned the running game as the diversity within it. So we saw the sweep from Brock Bowers that was really good. You, like To me, it looked like once Georgia got to the red zone, they'd get two yards on a carry and, and then kind of stall out from there. I mean, that happened yeah. three times as it got down. Yeah, there. and you also saw Alabama playing their tendencies heavily. Like yep. there were certain things from what they were doing, what Bama was doing with their linebackers and their edge players, specifically Will Anderson sometimes, where – He's not necessarily making the play, but he's just massively disrupting the play so it's easier for someone else to make. And it just, you could see it, you know, especially a lot of times from the angle that I was uh, sitting of, hey, once they're in this formation, there's a look between two the two linebackers or a, a point here, and they are going now, like instantaneously, like because they think, all right, the ball is going here, or sort of knowing uh, that the ball is going in certain places. So they were very much playing Georgia's tendencies. They had him scouted. I mean, those guys would admit it after the game. They're like uh, uh, the Georgia players, like they knew what we were doing. So maybe switch that up again. I'm I'm not trying to give false hope or anything here. I'm just thinking once you, to me, the, as Dash says, it, if you're thinking Will Anderson is negated, you think Georgia wins that. If you hear that Stetson Bennett threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns, you think Georgia wins that game. You know, uh, a lot of the. Um, uh, narratives that we thought, you know, uh, did not come to pass. You thought that Georgia was going to be able to put pressure. Or, if Auburn had seven sacks. You figured Georgia was going to get or four. You know, they hadn't had less than that all year. But then you find out, oh, no, uh, they're going to throw for 500 and something yards, and uh, Will Anderson's not going to be there. And Brian Robinson, who wasn't supposed to play, he played a good bit. All the narratives were wrong about that game, but you've been through it once. The next time you go around, you know what they have. They know what you have. I, that's why I said the rematch is going to be wild because Alabama will get better, although they'll be down the player. Georgia can avoid a lot of the mistakes that did not work. You know, that's what what do you, what do you guys – you guys do the film, don't lie. You know, uh, you, you break it down. Trent, you break it down. Dash, you write about it all the time. You, a lot of it is you're making game plan based on assumptions and based on tape from them playing other people. Now you got tape of them playing you. And what you did wrong, and what they did right, and vice versa. And I think that you've come up with a, you hopefully you come up with a much better game plan. Does that change, mean changing quarterbacks? Does that mean changing all this other stuff? Maybe. Uh, don't know. 
Well, here's the thing on the quarterbacks to me, and Dash and I have been the same thread on the dog vent today. So, like, people are upset. We get it. That's fine. Um, I'm going to continue to remind people this, and people get tired of hearing it from me, and that's all good. Uh, the last two games that JT Daniels led for Georgia against, I'd say, really good defenses, Georgia scored two offensive touchdowns in eight quarters. So this is not just some full-blown assumption that if you change the quarterbacks that Georgia's going to score 50 against whoever they play. It doesn't work that way. Um, I would say probably Stetson came down to earth a little bit in this game. He had a couple bad throws for sure. He had a couple good throws too. Um, I thought some of the decisions that he made poorly was when he should have run and still yeah. kept his eyes downfield. Um, that would have helped Georgia probably even more. But to, to just run. assume that the quarterback change is going to you know, be the thing that, that gets Georgia the title, I don't believe that to be the case. And on the flip side, though, you get in this stage of the season, though, you play in the caliber of, of Alabama, who we know how much they can score. Georgia and Michigan, you see what Michigan has done of late. I think your offensively, you need to be able to score some points and not put all your pressure on the defensive side. So that's why, you know, when I when I, th- I think of what Kirby Smart is going to be thinking about in, in Todd Munkin this week, I mean, will this Stetson Bennett still give them that best opportunity? Because if you think you're going to have to get into a scoring battle, if you think you're going to have to throw the football 45 times, for example, who is best to adept to throw the ball 45 times in the game? Is it Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels? I Personally, I, I think that's JT Daniels. I know he, he you lose a, a lot with the mobility. You may see him get sacked two or three times a game. But I, I just think with the type of team they are now playing, the fact they're going to need to get the ball in the end zone maybe more times than they would typically during the regular season, I think he deserves a look. And if they are going to make a move, if they are going to do something, I think uh, they need to do it quickly. I don't think you wait until the week of the Orange Bowl, and it's like, hey, I think I'm going to make a switch now. If you're going to make a change, look at how they do. I know they're not practicing right now. they got final exams coming up, but once they return, I would make a decision pretty quickly on what I'm going to do and then go from there. Yeah, I think George George Pickens plays an impact in that too. Um, yeah. That decision, how how healthy is he? How, many, how much can he – I know yesterday he was uh, – you know, he probably doubled his snap count from the week before. But, uh, Felt very pitch county. Uh, yeah, but it felt like he he had a certain plays uh, put in. But how how much can they put him in the playbook will affect, you know, I, I think uh, probably JT gives George a better, you know, if you're going with – if George is healthy, I think JT is the guy. Um, but. No, I, I agree with you. When you see a situation like that, when you have elite receivers, because everybody wants the uh, pro-style, you know, NFL caliber quarterback under center, that's great, but – when you don't have an offensive line to protect him and he can't move, you got an issue. And you could do what Alabama did yesterday. Hey, we're going to go max protect, and my two receivers can outrun anybody on your side of the field, and we're going to throw it to him. We've got two elite guys. Georgia doesn't have that option for most of the season. But now you get George Pickens back. You get Jermaine Burton healthy. Marcus Roseby Jack Saints coming back. Dominic Blaylock's coming back. Kiaris Jackson's healthy. All of a sudden you're like, okay, now – which is what you tried to do to start the season. You wanted to have that pro style. That's why Stetson, Stetson wasn't your number one guy. They were going with pro style. That's what Todd Munkin wanted to do. But you, you were supposed to have these elite receivers. They all got hurt. You know, you were down. You lost your top five guys. Now that you've gotten some of them back, now maybe you can make that change and say, okay, we're going to surround this, I don't say immobile quarterback, but less mobile quarterback with the elite receivers that he needs. Now he can get that done. Uh, so – uh, I'm with you there from just a uh, production standpoint. But at the same time, if he's uh, if he's getting hit, 
that makes me nervous. Hey, I, I tend to slightly that? disagree with the who the elite receivers on this team are, though. I think it's it's Bowers is number one, and I think Ladd is number two. I don't I don't like he everybody else just is a guy right so now. So you tell me you take Ladd over George Pickens? Oh, pick, healthy Pickens? No, like you're taking healthy Pickens, <laughs> but he, he's elite. If he if he's, he's there and he's there, yes, but as if you're going to and by the, he just wasn't a whole threat. Like they only targeted him twice, and in terms of how he used, it wasn't there. So you could tell it wasn't there just yet. But you know, how many more days? You got what, twenty six days. So but if that, he's there and he's and he's a guy who could be targeted seven eight times, him to me it's him Bowers and Lad. Those are the three guys. And Burton I think comes up you know can be that fourth guy. But those are the three to me best receivers they have. I how think many practices does Georgia get in those twenty six days? Because fifteen. Fifteen. So I mean that's plenty to if you're changing quarterbacks. And typically, they don't even they don't usually uh, use them all. I mean you'll see them practice, for example, in Athens maybe five or six days, and they'll like I said they get to uh, uh, Miami on the on the 26th. I think the first practice day is on the 27th, so they'll practice what four days while they're down there. So they probably wind up using just 11 or 12. I know. I yeah, there's an early signing period in between. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jermaine Burton really thrives with Pickens opposite him. Yes, uh, uh, they do. They feed off each other. They really, they really do. Look at his big games last year. George Pickens was on the other side. His 180 or 90 yard game, Pickens mm-hmm. on the other side. Um, he really thrives with being the number two guy. Yep. I mean, it's dash. You know, you're talking about the 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 scoring and the draw. You know, the, that type of thing. This game against Michigan, you might not be able to run the ball very well. I know. Like, Again, they're yeah. really good. They're very. You might good be. You might be defense. in third and third and eight plus a lot. Yeah, uh, if you don't figure out and keep having diversity in your running game. No, I'm with you there, guys. As, uh, when I go back and look at the decisions made over the year, I, I always want to take it in its totality. I think getting Kendall Milton back might also be a nice touch. You know, that's a guy that could do it. Um, they were feeding Kenny McIntosh yesterday, then they kind of got away from that. Um, I, you needed uh, Zamir White in there. He picked up a great blitz on um, – Will Anderson one on one and upended him, or their stats would have been killed. Um, when you, if you need some variety though in the running game, that's another reason the coaches I think went with Stetson because you know he does help your running game because you can't just key in on it, uh, saying oh well the quarterback's not an option to run. Again, I'm not trying to justify one or the other. I'm saying that uh, this is all based when you're going to make that decision. It's like if you think you're going to have trouble running the ball, does having uh, Stetson I mean, having JT under center help you? No. But I love the idea of having a healthy Jermaine Burton and a healthy uh, George Pickens, which you haven't had until just now, plus the the uh, issue of, okay, well, we've got either Kears Jackson in the slot or Lad McConkey, and then you got this tight end who's setting all sorts of records, you know, either inline blocking, he and Darnell, or he and uh, uh, Fitzpatrick. Now you're kind of getting to that that multiple option look, you know. That uh, if you're in third and eight, who the hell are you going to cover? Who who are you cover? We got the one of these guys out of the backfield. We got two tight ends. We got two wide receivers. You give uh, uh, JT Daniels those options. And my number one thing with Stetson Bennett is inaccuracy. It's not bad decision making. My my most annoying throw that he threw yesterday was the one he hit at James Cook's feet on the flare out. You know, the pick six. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that, that one, that sucked. But to me, it's – you got tricked on that one. 
But when you have a wide open guy, you know, it's a 20 yard throw and, and you leave it short, just like it did, uh, did against uh, Florida and Georgia Tech. That's that those inaccuracies on the ones that are gimmies. That's the one that drives me crazy. Here's a fun schedule note for you. That one. So, what day is the national championship? January 10th. Yeah. You know what day the first day of classes for UGA spring semester is? January 10th. January 10th. So, if Georgia were to beat Michigan, I bet there's going to be some people thinking about do we need to push classes back a couple days? (laughs) February. (laughs) Yeah. Roddy, you brought up Bowers. Dash, was anything mentioned about Bowers? knee or issues after the game? No, not since he came back and played as well as he did. No, I don't think nobody, you know, asked about that. Because you could tell it was bothering him a little bit. Eventually put on the whole sleeve business, almost like he fell on it or something. But that dude is – where would you be without Brock Bowers? Because you would not be in a very good place from a weapon standpoint. No, not at all. Another note, so many teams getting these playoffs – start to have their staff poached, right? I mean, yeah. had Notre Dame made it, it would have been a whole different level. But, like, with Dan Lanning not getting Oklahoma, seemingly, and Brent Venables getting it, yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty intact staff. I'm not saying people won't be poached after, but I don't see – I mean, people are going to come after Lanning for some of the smaller jobs, but he has some decisions to make here. Yeah, no doubt. I think you're going to see several – Coaches currently on the staff getting jobs once the season is, is complete. I mean, there's a report. Uh, I know Sam Spiegelman had a one that uh, Cortez Hankton uh, was being considered for a spot on on Coach Kelly's uh, staff at uh, LSU now. So that could be something to watch. Uh, and you always kind of keep your eye on Dale McGee too. I mean, I know he wants to be a head coach. Uh, I'm not sure if that job has come up and he would, you know, would number one, I guess, be considered for one he or or that he would consider, but. Uh, Again, that's something down there that's going to happen at some, at some you know, point in time. But, you know, I do expect Dan Land is going to get an opportunity, you know, somewhere. And I will not be shocked if Tom Munkin gets a, a chance or, you know, either in college or back in the NFL. One difference for this postseason, I think in previous bowl years, you've seen some of the younger guys get their chance to kind of emerge and play, but those weren't playoff scenarios. I'm yeah, that's different. Or I think Tyreek Stevenson had one yeah. here. I think you've got your guys right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, a different, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead I was gonna say, that's a great point. That's a phenomenal point if you have to play if you're playing Bama again, because one of the big things that in that game <coughs> was the speed along the defense. Like you might look at somebody like a Smile Munden, like that has you know that some one of these younger guys that just hey you're gonna go in and play five to ten plays and just go run and be fast on the edge. And, and go try to get the quarterback. That, to me, can very much happen the second time against Bandit because the speed element, Georgia's defense just didn't look as fast uh, yesterday. And James a lot of that is – Everybody looks slow. And a lot of that is missing the guy who just isn't coming back, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah you could also look at Xavier Sori as a guy that could rush on fish. 100%. <laughs> But we had seen that speed from like Channing Tindall. For whatever reason, he kept kind of getting clogged up in, in the middle, and Georgia just did not have an edge rush. Look at what, when Alabama ran those uh, delayed safety blitzes. Those guys looked like they were shot out of cannons. You know, it's like uh, Stetson was looking around, and they knew what the uh, pre-snap read was, and, and they mixed it up you know, two heartbeats later, and this guy, those guys came flying in. Nobody on the offensive line even – raised a hand to stop them. Those guys came just zipping through there. And 
when you saw Jamison Williams against anybody in Georgia's secondary, I mean, he was just smoking by him. That's like, wait a minute. Georgia's got fast players too. Where are they? But when Georgia was sent a blitz, as Dane points out, they just get clogged up. Where's that Channing Tindall, you know, fire off the line? Where was Quay Walker zipping through there? The Kobe Dean uh, caught a few guys, but yeah, give Alabama credit. They tackled in space really well, and Georgia didn't, you know. Well, and they also, Bama significantly focused on cutting those blitzers. Yeah. And just as an athlete, if you get cut a couple times, the, the speed with which you come three, the third and fourth and fifth time, it just doesn't – it's not as much. And we can all talk about what Alabama – you know, what Georgia didn't do against Alabama. At some point you have to look at it and say, hey, their quarterback just had his Heisman performance, and it just beat the crap out of you. And yeah, that's yeah. going to happen. We've seen it. Trevor Lawrence has done it before. Deshaun Watson had those games. I know he wasn't a Heisman guy, but he was, you know, made the finalist. Um, we've seen it from from Tua against some teams. Like when you have that kind of, I performance, do it against Georgia though. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yes, you don't want it happening against your team. I think the bigger frustration is you look down Georgia's roster at quarterback and you don't see that talent there, and you haven't for a while, um, or at least you don't see that talent playing there. Which that's there's a legacy thing here about like why doesn't Georgia have that Bryce Young guy? Yeah, speaking of that, Dane, the, one of the PFF guys tweeted earlier this morning that Bryce Young's grade is like I think it's ninety-two point something, is the highest passing, uh, highest graded quarterback ever for an underclassman that we've had in the eight years that we've been doing college football. Going to change subjects here just real quick. Uh, if you plan on going to the Orange Bowl, by the way, you want to uh, purchase a ticket. The cheapest one I'm seeing on the Orange Bowl site right now is five hundred eighty-six dollars. And it obviously goes up from there. So uh, there's going to be a whole lot of Michigan pricey, fans. Pricey traveling. trip uh, for South Beach. Well, there's a, there's a lot of states you would have to show some uh, vaccination records to be able to get in. And yeah. it will be the case. It won't, be, won't be that way. And no, it will not be the case there. And uh, and a lot of people, that, that's I'm not turning into that conversation. But I know I'm going to, uh, right after Christmas, I'm going to some stuff in New Orleans. Uh, I'm going to a Saints game, a Pelicans game. And I think that may have lifted it. But at one point, you had to show. Uh, vaccine proof to get in those games. Mm-hmm. Not in Florida. Well, we've got, we've got uh, all American games coming up that week too. So we'll, it's always uh, a busy week for us, Lane and Roddy. That weekend, yeah. that New Year, that uh, New Year's Eve weekend is always a. Well, usually on the twenty sixth, we've got uh, rising seniors, and then the Army All America game, which I guess is just called the All America game now. And then you have the Under Armour game, and we send Trent down to stay at some easy hotel you know, <laughs> every year so that he can cover that. Uh, Isn't the YMCA open down in Orlando? He, uh, we, I've had it, you know, just, I told just him get a cot in, there. You just sleep in his car. Cot at the YMCA. Uh, yeah. I'm good. See if there's a Bucky's nearby and you just sleep in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, hey, that place is legit. I found that out <laughs> firsthand <laughs> last week. Hey, Did you get lost in there? As long as it don't have police tape around it, I'm good. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we put it there before. Yeah, I know, think this is a good question and good comment that somebody made on the chat. AD at 101 says, and swapping out wide receiver running backs every play isn't going to win a game either. We need Bowers, Pickens, and White in every important play. When you look at Alabama and how they play, they played 73 offensive snaps yesterday. Jamison Williams was on the field for 71 of them. Like that dude, and he, and then he's on the punt team being the gunner. Like yeah. he just doesn't come off the field. And when you have that guy on the field every play, for George is probably Bowers. It, you know, he I think he was like, 65 out of 80 plays. 
but the rest of the receiving core is about 30 between six or seven, six or seven different guys, between six guys. You have to identify to me who your just guys that scare defenses are and have them on the field as much as possible. I, I completely agree with the comment. And I'm not big on the constantly rotating backs thing either. I'm not sure Zamir Watt's your best back either. He may not be, but constantly uh, – to me, if you're going to feed James Cook, get him lathered up or feed Kenny McIntosh, you know, it just seems like the minute they do have a good run, you pull them out. I'm like, Equally as frustrating, I mean, I know we think Pickens was probably on a bit of a play count, but when you threw it up to him, he made the play. And right after, when you threw it up to Darnell Washington, he made the play. And I know for the rest of the game, it was pretty much throw it up to Bowers and see if he can make a play, and nine out of ten times he does. Um, but that that's how you win these big games is you yeah, put the ball up. You- and, like, Alabama fully trusts its school guys always. And I'm not saying Georgia doesn't trust its guys, but it – probably doesn't take as many chances as it could. Yeah, but those guys are elite. I mean, if you had a, uh, a George Pickens who was healthy, yeah, you, this is a guy who, when he was healthy, you'd left him out there and he played nonstop over and over and over again. So, um, again, it feels like a lot of this offensively has been done by committee. I mean, you know, I'm impressed with Bowers as much as anybody, uh, but it feels like that's, uh, you know, a freshman that's coming in and had to save your bacon, you know. I don't know. Glad he's there and it works. So why would you stop doing that? But if you could have fewer three and outs, then maybe we'd see more to Jermaine Burton. We'd see more to uh, uh, Darnell Washington, you know. Well, and maybe. people want to assign blame in the game yesterday, too. I, I thought one thing that happened is that Alabama scored, uh, you know, pretty quickly and Georgia's offense couldn't stay on the field. And I thought Georgia's defense was out there a lot and Alabama was playing. Oh, fast. they were gassed. And so defensive linemen. We're, we're in there not giving the effort that you always see. And it seemed like Georgia got tired pretty early. You could 100% see that at field level. It was – they were gassed in the first half. And that like that last drive that Bryce, Bryce scored, definitely there. Yeah, I think that's the issue with the success they've had this year with them only limiting their play snaps to 30 every game is – really hurts in these kind of games because when you get asked to play 50, 52 snaps, it's – a the, besides Trayvon Walker, no, but none of those guys have done it. Yeah, I mean, you've been running all those steps. You're supposed to be in condition. I don't know. All right, guys, I think we should wrap it up here. All right. I'm on here about a, about an hour, and uh, I want to say thanks to everybody who has uh, tuned in to the uh, chats there. We, we see a lot of comments. We don't get to share all of them. They usually go too fast, but we really appreciate everybody uh, giving us their thoughts. It does make it go easier. Uh, we'll definitely have more of these uh, uh, throughout December. I will jump on and talk about anything you guys want to talk about. And my appreciation to uh, all my uh, fantastic staffers who get on here and uh, share their wisdom with you. I know it's a Sunday. Uh, we did this at the last second. And you can see I had four or five guys just say, hey, I'm going to jump on and uh, chop it up. And I really appreciate it. So we look forward to that bump in our pay. Yeah, you're not getting it. Uh, thanks, Dane. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Anthony. And, of course, uh, thanks, Blaine, who was on earlier. You guys take care. And uh, be sure to tune in this coming Tuesday to the UGA Sports Live show with Coach John, and I'm sure it will be a uh, fun one. Y'all take care.